0: My partner, Susanna Gray Jones. You can talk.
1: <laughs> she always says this podcast partner, not the actual partner. Although I'd be happy to be your actual partner if you were that way inclined, but we're not, and that's okay. We're all happy.
0: Are you proposing to me?
1: What is, what's going on? Not yet. Not yet. Not not yet. yet. We need to probably meet first. So, okay.
0: Well, we're meeting very soon because Susanna Gray Jones is coming to America. We can make a movie about that.
2: I was going to ask if you guys wanted me to step out for a minute. Like, do you have some unfinished business to discuss? Let's.
0: Get rolling. Welcome, Warners, to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Coach for Sales Gravy. We're so excited to have Camille Clemens back on the show. We asked her to come back because we've ran out of time on the last episode. Uh, So welcome back, Camille, to this episode. And uh, shout out to Sales Gravy and Jeb Blunt, who sponsor this show. Camille, we need to learn from you. We need to learn from you because um, numbers for me, math for me, finances for me, I could always use some help. I mean, there's a reason why I started out as an accounting major in college and that did not last very long. So we're excited to have you back here
1: today, specifically talking about ETFs. ETFs. Now, you guys were like on a little train before. You left us on our last episode about ETFs, and I was like, do I tell them I don't really know what that is? So I'm going to tell you now, like a lot of our listeners probably don't know much about it. So what are ETFs?
0: Okay, so
2: we're going to have a little exercise today to talk about investment. Yes. And when we do that, I think it's really important that as this episode unfolds, we unsure of when people will pick it up. If it come in halfway through, we need to disclaim, I am not a certified financial planner. It's very important to to disclose that. And engaging with a certified financial planner or someone who is a trained professional in making investment decisions on behalf of their clients is a very important thing. So step one, before you even know what ETF stands for, my recommendation is that you Find someone if you don't already have someone engaged to handle the planning of your finances, which might include investment products like ETFs or the long formal name of ETF is Exchange Traded Fund. Is that helpful? Yes, Susanna as a start. This
1: is so helpful. But the one thing that really confused me when I started looking into ETFs and, the benefits of ETFs was the difference between ETFs, and you know what I'm going to say, mutual funding, um, and trying to work out as a potential investor what what the differences are.
2: Okay, so there's a lot of differences, fundamental differences in how the fund operates, and you as an investor might not necessarily need to know that, especially if you've hired a professional to help you understand what your goal is and then how to get there. Right. So the world of financial products is vast and I could give you a laundry list of a dozen different types of structures that you could potentially put your money in to fund your future. So I think knowing that the universe is vast, there are a lot of options as an investor. So I I think we can get into that, Um, but I think for the purposes of this conversation, knowing that there are functional differences between structure types and there's a utilization for each of the structure types, especially as you gain wealth and you don't just make your money, you don't just put your money in a place so that it can grow, but you actually have a strategy behind where you're putting your money and how often you're putting it there and how those decisions are being made. So that's what I would say to that question. The the universe is vast and hiring a professional cannot be understated.
1: Definitely something I need.
2: If we think about, you know, your wealth and how you intend to live your life, it is often governed by the decisions you're making at a very early stage. So that's number one is it's never too early to start planning. But on the flip side of that coin, it's never too late either. And so depending on where you are in that investment journey, you're going to make decisions that are appropriate with where you are in the journey. So if you're super early in your career, you can likely take a little bit more risk than if you're in the later stages of your career, because your time horizon of investment is, is, more, is broader, it's longer, right? So you can have a slight slip up earlier in, in your investment career than later, and it will have less of an impact.
1: Makes sense. And you specifically, am I right, took some time out or there's something you spent quite a lot of time on ETFs. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
2: I think we hinted at it in the last uh, the last discussion we had. And Gina's like, oh, ETFs, I need to know more. And I said, well, we can do hard things. So learning about new things, including investment strategies, is probably something worth spending some time on. So we'll go in the way back machine to a point in my career when I was a field salesperson, I was working for a company and we serviced all types of investment products with the exception of ETF. And we didn't service them for a few different reasons, but I had alluded to the fact that there are some functional operational differences between a mutual fund and an ETF. And those differences, those operational differences are functions of how not only you invest in it, but how it's serviced. So the firm that I worked for way back in the day, they did not have a solution to service ETFs. A common evolution for an investment manager is that you will you will run a mutual fund, which is kind of a traditional retail investment product that has been around for 50, 60, 70 years. Like it's a very old investment product that everyone's familiar with. ETFs have only been around for 30 years. And so the evolution of the investment product, as well as the the kind of nuts and bolts accounting behind the scenes that it takes to make sure that these things are being run properly is is significant. And if your operations aren't set up for that, then you need to figure out, well, what are we going to do? So at my old firm, we had a lot of clients who were looking to come into the ETF ecosystem. So they wanted to launch their own. And commonly, and as a salesperson, I would have to say, well, we, you know, we can't service your ETFs, but here are a couple of my colleagues in other firms where they do and we would, you know, kind of play nice in the sandbox. Well, I got fed up with it and I like kept thinking to myself, like, not only am I opening the door to bring the competition to the table, but And they could help them with the ETFs, but they could also potentially take all the other business that we have with them because they can do all the other things, too. So if we're going to tie this into sales, I would say that we had a problem, which was we could not service this particular structure. So we ended up going out and partnering with and part of the six months that you alluded to also that I took out of being in the field selling I worked within the ecosystem to really come up with a program that we as a firm could support. So we could do a couple of things, but we couldn't do all the things. So I basically had 10 slots of things that had to get done. We could do a few of them. I had to find people in the industry that could do the rest of them. And so what ended up happening was I spent a lot of time finding the right partners, interviewing people who could potentially help us solve the problem, We had one client who said, listen, we want to launch this this structure and we want to do it with you. So we'll go through the process with you. And so we had a seed, meaning the initial kind of client who was going to jump off the ledge with us. And then it was kind of on us to ensure that we could help solve their problem. Just that's what sales is, right? And so in this case, it was more of a product that had to be developed, but certainly in support of a client and their goals, what they were trying to accomplish.
1: Nice. So you saw an opportunity. You hated passing the business to your competitors. Well, you would rather not have, and you created the solution in-house.
0: Yes, that's correct. How do you, how do you sell the differentiation what, if we bring it back to sales, right? So you talk about mutual funds were around for a long time. People knew what they were, even though I still don't know how to work my mutual funds at all. Whatsoever. I just go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <gasps> I know. I know. This is. Oh, honey, we have to talk. I know. This is why you're back. You're because I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And um, I, I have managed to move everything to a 401k Roth because of the company match I get. So I'm getting closer in age and, uh, you know, to retirement. So I'm like, I put everything that, that way, but really don't know what I'm doing and that's in the mutual funds arena then you start talking about ETFs and that came around, you know, later and it's a different instrument, right? So from a sales perspective before we get into how to fix me, from a from a <laughs> sales perspective, how do you sell the differentiation between those two instruments? Okay.
2: So that's not my job. My job is to help the client decide based on what they're trying to accomplish, what works best for them.
0: Right. So, you're, so your job is, is finding the right solution.
2: My job is helping them navigate the options right. to determine what the right potential solution right. is. So I'm really the guide in the journey. They're just telling me all the pieces and parts, and then we're backing into it from there and what the recommendation might be. It's like any sale, right? right. I don't walk in saying, oh, I've got a mutual fund to sell you, or I've got an ETF right. to sell you. Right. I walk in saying, tell me about your investment strategy and who your investors are. And from there, we can figure out if you need a mutual fund, an ETF, a collective investment trust, a hedge fund, uh, an interval fund, a private equity fund, a commodity pool. You can figure out from there because of all of the kind of data you've gathered in your career and helping clients solve these problems. You can really help them kind of hone down and just ask
0: the right questions. Okay. That makes that makes sense.
1: Yes. Yeah. So every time I searched on Google ETFs, I kept coming across this lady who is American, who sounds like she's a bit of a dream. Um, <laughs> you know who I'm going to say, don't you? I do. Kathy Wood. <laughs> um, so she she was quite a big part of this movement, wasn't she? She she brought ETFs in into the world in an aggressive, nicely aggressive way. Is that right?
2: She certainly has been a pioneer, and Kathy Wood has kind of a host of other women who have really blazed this trail. And if you look at the investment landscape and all of the product types that I've mentioned, ETFs are the most innovative by far. And I think that the flexibility in kind of the nuts and bolts of how they're built and how they operate in the marketplace certainly serves them to be innovative. Um, I think there are some women pioneers however that came before kathy that shouldn't be discounted as well in those early days with the first ETFs that came out i mean names like deborah first she was one of the first right and she was involved not only from kind of the, the earliest stages and she now has a very substantial consulting practice and she's very active out in the marketplace but it's the women who got in early who not only noticed that this is a super innovative Product, But this is also an opportunity for us to really move the needle organizations like women in ETFs and 100 women in finance. And there's so many things that have come as a result of kind of this pioneering and arguably ETFs have done a lot to support kind of the innovation of the investment industry. But also there's been a lot of women that if you even think about, you know, time horizon. they've become more prominent players in the marketplace. So I think it's a a huge testament to the fact that not only was there an opportunity, but there were some women out in there in the earliest days that helped really pioneer um, some of the products that are being brought to market today.
3: Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe honed their sales skills at Salesgrip University. You see, Salesforce University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's Spontaneous Selling Course, which is worth checking out. Now, I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on Sales Gravy University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com, that's learn.salesgravy.com, or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com, pick out your course, and when you check out, use coupon code FREECOURSE to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free.
0: You know, you said you decide, well, you help them through the journey. So when you're going through the journey with them, who who are ETFs most suited for? Is there such a thing?
2: So ETF as a structure is, and I'm sure Susanna, the headlines that you've read, in addition to seeing them slotted next to mutual funds as a point of comparison, you're probably also seeing some language like they're tax efficient. The way ETFs are traded, there's a very specific mechanism. So when you buy or sell a mutual fund, which is again, kind of the, the legacy product that's out in the marketplace. When you buy that, you are buying percentages of all of the companies that make up that mutual fund. When you buy an ETF, you buy into an index. So you're buying into a specific number of companies, but those companies aren't necessarily bought and sold because of your trade. Those companies are in a basket of securities that may or may not move in the market based on your transaction. It's super complex. What I will say is there are fundamental differences, but don't try to make this decision on your own. I think that if we become, and there are people who become educated and are maybe not financial planners but do have enough that they're going to make some investment decisions on their own. What I would say though for the novice investor, don't make that decision for yourself. I would I would go out and I would find someone who does this for a living that can help you define some goals and then put a program in place to execute your strategy. What
0: what are some of those fundamental differences between ETFs and mutual funds?
2: It's the way that they exchange in the marketplace. Instead of buying individual securities, you're buying a basket of securities. And that's one of the biggest fundamental differences, which is how they gain that tax efficiency, because they don't need to trade all the securities when you're trading in or out of a fund. It's, a, it's like a basket composition of securities. It's tax efficient because you're not trading actual securities every single time you trade.
0: Okay. Okay. So there's, some, there's definitely some tax benefits to that. Yes.
2: It's a, it's a more tax efficient
0: product. And from an investor standpoint, um, is it a more aggressive, a less aggressive? Is it more suited for someone who is closer to retirement early on? What does that look like?
2: Again, I have a risk here that I'm running into, which is giving financial advice, and I can't do that. But what I will say is typically in your 401ks, you're going to have access to mutual funds. Because some of those fundamental differences that we've described are not available when you're investing in your 401k, so your defined contribution plans. But once you get out of that and you're investing on your own, you have access to many other okay. investment types, which also
0: include ETFs. Okay. Yeah, we're not trying. To, we're not trying to make you a a, a financial planner.
1: <laughs> no, I'm I'm coming to all these conclusions in my head about what I would choose, but I don't want to ask you because you'll end up giving me advice, which I'm not allowed to do.
2: I can certainly point you to a lot of resources though. And I think that that's another thing that we can't discount in this process of making investment decisions. Not only is finding someone who does this every day, all day for their clients important, but as an investor, it's important in knowing where your money's going. So there are plenty of resources out on the intra webs that can take you to, um, and my advice, because there are a lot of places you could go for reputable information. There are as many places you could go that people are maybe less sophisticated or they have you know, one way of doing it and that's the only way of doing it. If you're looking for additional advice on investment strategies and where you might go for information, if you really do want to learn more from a kind of an absolute value where it's not bending one way or another, find reputable sources on Twitter. So even some certified financial planners You can find them or wherever you go, LinkedIn, but find someone who you trust and then start to use their network to figure out where those reputable sources are, because there's plenty of misinformation out in the marketplace as well.
1: I want to sit in on one of those discovery calls because I can just imagine we, we pride ourselves at Sales Gravy on deep discovery, but the kind of deep discovery involved in ETFs making it so personal to you and your values must be huge.
2: Especially when you're talking with the ESG lens on, um, I certainly think that there's a growing universe of options out in in the investable universe. Um, And it's really a cool time to be an investor because you can align way more easily your investing principles with actual products that are out in the marketplace. You You do run the risk though, if you don't have that financial planner that you're going to make decisions that are not foundationally principled. You're going to make maybe more emotional decisions because you feel like this is something that I believe in. I should put my money there.
0: Oh, that's an interesting point. I have a financial planner, but I don't really tap into them to get the information I need. And maybe I need to push more on it to understand what I'm doing. Um, if we were to kind of walk away from the ETF piece of this and go a little bit to the basics, right? Because your your eyes kind of popped out of your head when I talked about my approach. Um, but if we go back to the basics, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to generalize this, but I know that I just avoid because I don't understand. And so there's probably a lot of people out there who are not investing because they don't know what they're doing. I'm one of them.
1: Or they're scared? Well, they're
0: scared, but they're scared because they don't know what they're doing. That's where the fear comes exactly. from. I'm going to make a mistake in this, so I'm not going to do anything. So what would be some advice on how to get started or at least how to get better at understanding your investment, especially if you have a 401k and you're doing what I'm doing? Well, you need me, 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 me most. split it up. Divided up amongst these things. I know your face is still popping out. What? Let's give some basic advice to, to investors who are newer.
2: And I think this is a really, really, really important point. And there are products out there that can help people who are like, I have no idea what to do. And they're called target date funds. Target date funds are intended for someone who wants to sit their money in a place. And then you can almost consider, and I'm not going to, discount the value of a financial planner. But if you know that I want to retire in 40 years, you can buy into one of these target date funds and it will it will execute a strategy that helps you get closer to where you are trying to account, where you're trying to get to without going through the process of hiring financial planners, setting goals, like that. So the easiest way in and the lowest kind of risk that's actually not even a fair thing to say. The lowest kind of thought you have to put into it is if I know I want to retire in 40 years, I'm going to buy into a target date fund that has a strategy that accommodates me there. And so then the closer you get to the target date, the retirement date, the less risky the investment strategy typically becomes. So you're probably going to come out of the gates with some sort of equity fixed income combination, meaning you're investing in 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 stocks and you're also investing in bonds and typically the traditional portfolio is a combination weighted differently depending on how close to the end of your investing career you are
1: such a good point about the longevity you often don't think about that do you you invest in something because someone's told you to but thinking about all the different factors like when do I actually want to take this money out and all those things
2: well and remembering that your investments are really your gateway to to retirement like that's why we're doing it we do it so that we can ensure that as we live our lives we get to do the things we want to do and the future value of a dollar is a thing i talk to my kids about a lot so they're like oh i want to buy this video game i'm like well let's sit down and do some quick math like if you buy this video game for 40 dollars, that means that's 40 less dollars you're putting out into your savings account or wherever you're putting it my son at the moment is in ethereum Yeah. Right. So many people, not many people, there are people out there who take substantial amounts of their wealth and put them into things like Bitcoin or digital assets because they think it's interesting. And I think as investors, it is cool right, to be involved in something that you're trying to understand. And really the only way to understand it Mm -hmm. is to invest in it. When I first got into ETFs, I didn't own any. So I was like, I kind of have to get into this to understand mechanically how it's working and what it means for me. That's a really good example of volatility is something we talk about, right? In the investor world, meaning you're going to put some money into something. And if you're not investing for the long term, if you just have money, you want to go and potentially could go to zero and you could still be okay, then that's fine. But if you're putting substantial amounts of your wealth that you rely on for your future, I mean, you'd have to be really, really, really careful when you're talking about things like Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies in general, where the volatility is so great that potentially it could go to zero and you have no more money.
0: This is the running joke I have with my boyfriend on a regular basis about Shiba Inu, because I have $20 in it, but it's fun to watch it go from 20 <laughs> to 5 to 13 to two to eighteen, back to fifteen. Like it's only twenty dollars, but watching the volatility of it and trying to understand it. And he's like, just wait till we get to point XXX of a cent, we're gonna be rich. Like I don't I don't even know what he's yeah. talking about. All I know is I'm watching my twenty dollars go is it, up. And by down. the
1: way, with just in my circles, maybe over just over here in the UK, it seems to be quite masculine thing to do to get into the whole crypto bitcoin world um (laughs) i was pregnant with my second child which was unexpected lovely surprise but unexpected um and my husband came home and said you know i'm thinking we're saving and he said i've taken out a naught percent loan four grand and i put it into crypto and i was like what have you done i was ready to he took a loan yes. out to put it yes. in crypto? Now, I, I don't want to brag, but it was the best decision our family ever made because now he's, he's made a lot of money from it. Not everyone does. I'm not here to give financial advice either. But, but <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's such a risky game. You don't know what's going to happen to it. It's just, it's, you can't see it. It's just there. It's, it's such a scary thing. It's a concept, isn't it? The whole Bitcoin thing.
2: But so is money. So is a dollar? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, what is a good dollar point. worth? It's worth what someone's willing to give you for
1: yeah, it. Yeah, Well, quite. You can have a philosophical conversation about it. Even is um, I'm um, curious to know. As you know, um, Camille, you don't get a, you don't get to come on these podcasts without giving a bit of your uh, self. We like to dig deep, as you said in one of your LinkedIn posts. Um, I'm curious to know what do you want to do then when you retire? What's your retirement dream plan?
2: Um that's a really I wasn't <laughs> expecting that question so thank you. Um what do I want to do? Well, I want to live somewhere where I can enjoy outdoors. Um that's really my end goal. Whether it's on the ocean, which is where it's been for a long long time or it's on a lake in the mountains. It it's more recently been interesting to go and travel and see different parts of the of the country. My little my son who's 12 He's my little travel buddy. So we've gotten to see um, recently some parts of the country that I'd never explored, like Montana. And we spent some time in Denver. And I think the more I think about where I will live in the future, it might be dictated by where my children end up. Um, Because I know that that's really important for me. And family's always been really important for me. But um, I'm not as dead set on an ocean as I had been historically but I certainly need to be outdoors and I have to have some ability to be warm a good portion of the year.
0: So maybe I have a mountain home and an ocean oceanfront. Property. Yes. Isn't that the dream? <laughs> mountain home and an ocean home. Well, this was super helpful today, at least cracking, cracking the code a little bit because I think people steer away from it because they don't understand it. So they don't get involved with it. Um, so I appreciate you sharing this with us
2: yeah and if anyone is still listening which it's probably been a little painful because I think <laughs> it, it's a really complex thing to to kind of dissect but it's also really really important to not shy away because you don't know. And I think I said it in the last um, episode which is we can do hard things, but knowing just like in sales, when you have to say I'm really not sure, and you go and find the expert to bring to the table to help you get to where you want to go. That's kind of what investing is as well.
0: Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. I know Susanna's got. Uh, she's got a um, special question. A for would you rather? Here we go.
1: I've got a would you rather uh, another would. one. Um, would you rather have a terrible boss but a great job, or? A great boss, but a terrible job.
0: Oh, dang. I'm so happy I'm not answering that question.
2: I would rather have a great job and a terrible boss.
1: Even if they were terrible, terrible, and they were like taunting you every day.
2: Yeah. Because then I would have experience in my job that I could leave and go
0: somewhere else.
1: (laughs) I love your considered answers. I like that. She's uh, thinking long-term. What about you then, Gina? Come on.
0: Well, I have an amazing boss and an amazing job. So it's very hard for me to answer that question.
2: That's so diplomatic. (laughs) I have both as
0: well, but... Yeah. (laughs) I would, I would, um, I, I would agree with Camille. Uh, I think, I think as humans, we, um, I don't, I'm very fixated on intrinsic value and intrinsic value in a job, right? Um, people stay in jobs, not necessarily because of the money. Um, it's about what they contribute, how they feel like they're contributing to others. Um, there's a lot of value that comes from that. And, unfortunately whether it's a boss or a co-worker you're going to or even clients you're going to deal with people who might be yeah. assholes and it's it's on you to know how to deal with that control that um nobody should endure any horrible abuse so i just want to Again, I'm not a financial expert or a psychiatrist, <laughs> but I think that's important to point out that you shouldn't stay in anything that is abusive to you, no. um, just to put clarity yeah, on and that. I
1: think also there are many bosses out there who could be great bosses or maybe are great bosses, but sometimes they can be terrible bosses. And that's okay, we're all human, but it's just understanding that being a bit forgiving of your boss sometimes if they are terrible. Um, cause I'm sure it happens everywhere.
2: I was going to add one more thing and it's the inaction that allows people to feel as if they're entitled to that behavior. Mm-hmm. And so the more you're willing yeah, to up yeah. about something, including a bad client, like if you're just a jerk through the sales process, I'm not going to let you have access to my people so you can be a jerk to them. Mm-hmm. But if we're always, our family motto is work hard and be nice. So it, like just it's life's
0: too short. I don't want to work with mean people. Work hard and be nice. Work hard to be That's an That's a good one. Well, I look at this as a, also if you do an analogy with parenting, right? Um, I'm not a parent. I'll soon be a step-parent, but I'm not a parent. But I do know that you know, my parents weren't perfect. Nobody's parents were, weren't perfect. I've heard parents say, you know what? I I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to do better than my parents did. And then you become adults and there's a point in your adulthood where you can't blame what happened to you in your childhood with your parents and you become accountable. And I think it's the same thing in a work environment. You are accountable for you, your happiness, how you produce. And if you're working with people that are are jerks. You have choices. Yeah. Well, as usual, Camille, it was awesome having you here with us. We'll find other reasons to bring you back. <laughs>
2: Well, hopefully we can do it again because
0: it's always lovely talking to you ladies. So thank you. We agree, we agree. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About brought to you by Sales Gravy. Uh, Susanna, any any last words from you? Any aha
1: moments from this show? No aha moments, but I'm quite liking this new sexy voice that my sore throat has given me. I hope you like it too. I love this sexy voice of
0: yours and I'm excited. Susanna is coming to America soon. Yes. And we're going to meet in person and do photos together. And she's also going to be at Outbound with me. How excited are we? Let's talk about Outbound. It is coming up in September and you can don't miss out, especially the VIP experience of Outbound. But the VIP experience of being with Susanna, I mean, get your tickets now to Outbound.
1: It is a feast. It's a festival of sales and it's going to be absolutely glorious. All right. Well, that's all we
0: have for you this episode of the Women Your Mother Warns You About. Check us out at WomenYourMotherWarnsYouAbout.com where you'll find all the info you need. Also, check us out at SalesGravy.University. Thanks for listening, Warners.